you know, entitled this message, I Thought You Should Know. I Thought You Should Know. Now, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 6, 10, it says, everything has already been decided. It was known long ago that each person would, what each person would be. So there's no use arguing with God about your destiny. It's funny how a lot of people have a tendency to argue all the time. Everybody wants to debate. Now, if you know me, and like Selena said today, if you're an Android user, you're going to have a debate. I think we finally convinced Christina and Momo to get iPhones, amen? Before they go to Australia, they will be getting iPhones. We have convinced, we have this ability to want to argue everything, right? Why do you think people Google? Because they want to argue. And when we get saved and we begin to serve God, we have this tendency to argue with God. But do you not know and do not understand that you and I, our lives, our destiny has been decided. But we argue with God. Now, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite movies is Blood In, Blood Out. Now, that's one of my favorites. I don't know how holy that is, but it's one of my favorites. And my favorite line is, life's a risk, carnal. Right? So people say, I don't want to do it. Life's a risk, carnal. You got to do it, bro. Right? They say leaders got to take risks. It's one of my favorite lines. And a side story that's not in here. My, one of my, my wife's, I don't know if he's an uncle or a cousin or something like that, something like that, he's in this movie. If you ever watched the movie when Miklo gets off the bus and they're walking and he comes out, right? He's shackled, he comes out and he starts to walk, right? And all the, everyone starts yelling things, you know? The African-American guy yells something. The white guy yells something. The Hispanic guy, the Hispanic guy, the big old muscular guy, that's actually like her cousin or her uncle, something like that. So one day we're going to a funeral. Oh my God, a funeral. And it's weird because I'm not a star. I've met, I've seen like Eddie Murphy before. I've seen Sinbad before. I've seen a couple of reality stars. I don't really trip off star, stars. I mean, to me, you're, you're no big deal. Now, you're part of Sonny. Different story. I'm like, oh, man, it's part of Sonny, you know? But if you're a celebrity, I don't really care. You're a sinner. I just want to witness to you. You don't move me, amen? But it was weird because I saw her uncle at a funeral. And I was like, oh, man, that's your uncle from the movie. You think I could talk to him? She goes, she goes yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll talk. Goes, but we're at a funeral. I go, man, I wish I had my DVD right now. Weird. First time I ever responded like that. She's clowning me. She's telling all her cousins. They're all clowning me at a funeral. Supposed to be a celebratory moment for the person that went to be with the Lord, and they're clowning on me. But that's a side note. So anyways, saying that, I remember I had these two guys on my gang team. And they were on my, they were on my leadership team. And if you're with... When I was doing gang ministry and I was the leader in that gang ministry, and, and when I'm with anybody, I don't like to like lollygag when I'm with people. If you're driving with me, you're traveling with me, we're going to, I don't really talk about a lot of nonsense stuff. I talk about ministry. I talk about dealing with people. We deal with issues in your life. We talk about the ministry. We talk about the vision. We talk about what we need to be doing in our city. I don't lollygag because I don't have a lot of time. Time is very valuable to me. So they had these two guys, and they're on my team, and they're great guys on my team. And they talk about this movie all the time. And they would say lines like, bought those locals forever, right? And they would say, sorry, no tortillas, right? <laughs> and they would say things like, they would say things like, we're going to spread like on the gospel Billy Graham style, right? And they would say all these lines, and they would, and obviously you could tell I watched this quite a few times, right? And they would 
talk about this movie all the time. And they would talk about the La Honda and the structure, and they weren't even gang members. Matter of fact, one was never even a gang member, and the other one I would call a gang member groupie. He hung around with gang members, but he never truly banged in his life, right? But they're talking about the structure and all this. So it's driving me nuts. I'm in the car. We're on the way to Walmart to go buy stuff for gang night. And it's making me pretty upset. So finally, right there in the aisle of the school supply aisles, we're buying stuff for the gang. I said, if you only knew as much about gang ministry as you knew about the La Onda, we would be a 200-member gang ministry. Sometimes as young adults and as a people, we can get caught up in a lot of things. A lot of things that don't even matter. A lot of things that are not geared on the purposes of God. In our life, we don't have a lot of time. Listen, I'm not young anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm technically not even considered a young adult. How sad is that? I watched a movie the other day, Central Intelligence, and on the banner it said, Class of 1996. You know how old I felt? My year is 1997 when I graduated. I'm now officially on a banner. It ain't Back to the Future, 1956. It ain't another movie, 1972. It is 1996 on the banner. I'm officially older. So I ain't young anymore. I ain't got a lot of time to waste. I don't know how long I'll be in the part of the gang committee, a part of the gang. I don't know how long I'm going to be doing what I got to do before whatever God has for me to do. I don't know how long I have. But I do remember being 21 and coming back from the UTC like if it was yesterday. Meaning that time flies by real fast. We don't got time to waste. I don't got time to lollygag about things that don't concern the things of God. See, as young adults or as a people, we can get real caught up real fast. When you live your life like you're preparing to go and do a work, whether you stay or go, you will build wherever you're at. See, a lot of times young adults have, or people have a tendency to want to build their playlist. You want to build that project car that you have in the garage. You want to build your Jordan collection. You want to build your makeup, Mac makeup and whatever type of makeup out there. I don't know. You have Sephora cars for days. You're building up your credit card debt. Swipe, swipe or no swipe. You know, swipe or swipe. Yes, swipe or swipe. Swipe, swipe, swipe. We're building these different things. But listen, God has not called us to build those things. God has called you and I to build the kingdom of God for his honor and glory. We are called to build his kingdom. Listen, we got to realize that there is a process that God has for you and I in our lives. There's a process that God wants for your and my life. It's not to be young adults and then this guy, you know, the rapper, he's going to be rapping to my eggers to live wild and free, though. You know, that's what he says, to live wild and free and just nonchalant and blazing through life, having a good time, going out to eat all the time. That is not what God saved you at a young age for. That is not why God called you at this time in your life. But he has called you so he can save you, shape you in order to send you. That's what God has called you. And as God is doing this work in your life, you have to remember three things. Number one is that God saved you. God, you saved me. God has saved you. It says in the Bible in Ephesians 2, it says, For by the grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Listen, it is not by choice or coincidence that you and I are here. 
It is not by choice or coincidence that God saved you at a point like this and a time like this. To be saved, to receive salvation is a beautiful thing. Because no longer as you get saved, God begins to change your life. You begin to come to church. You stop cussing. You stop drinking. You stop partying. You stop going out the way you used to go out back in the day. You stop doing a lot of You stop listening to worldly music. At least I hope you do. You stop doing a lot of stuff in your life. You stop chasing guys and girls the way that you used to. And God begins to make a change in your life. And you begin to see, and these changes are big. They're huge. The first time you wear a suit to church is going to be the most monumental moment of your life. You're tugging on the thing. Your collar's bigger than it should be. Your slacks are, are baggy, and you're not sure. And you're even some of the old school G's are sagging their slacks. Some people get it a little too tight. But you're struggling because it's not comfortable. But these changes, I remember going to the UTC, and I, I, I didn't know. I, honestly, I didn't know that you're supposed to have a suit. So I went with fresh jeans, fresh, you know, favorite shoes, favorite chucks. I had like three chucks. I went, I had, all, you know, but no suit. So Sunday morning comes, he said, hey, you got to get up, wake you up, get ready for church. So I get to church, I have a polo shirt on, I have a pair of jeans on, pair of I think I look fresh for church, I'm good. So what are you wearing? I go, I'm ready to go to church. This ain't gang night, bro. You need a suit. I go, I don't have a suit. Man, you ever been pieced together like a, on a runway model? Vest came this way, shirt came this way, pants came this way, nasty old dirty shoes came this way. Oh my goodness, I look like a rainbow walking suit. I'm so embarrassed. I called my parents up the next day. I said, you got to give me some suits from the alleys. Wherever you got to give me some, give me some suits because I can't go to church looking like that ever again. <laughs> but we change. God begins to show you things, and you start to see that the call upon your life is there. You begin to get involved in church. You can begin involved in ministry. You start to develop friendships. And for some, and in God's timing, some relationships. My God relationships. We're going to skip past that. That's a whole different revival, amen. But in God's timing, you develop these relationships. And young adults as well as young people and those that are not as young as they used to be, especially young adults, have a lot of decisions to make and are now beginning to experience life. See, young adults have a tendency to make up to 102 decisions a day. Because they're tripping all the time. Do I go to school? Do I change my major? Do I get a job? Do I quit this job? Do I quit this job first and then get a job? Or do I stay with the job and then quit the job? Do I get involved in ministry? Do I like him? Do I like him? Do I like him? Or do I like him? I don't know. Decisions have to be made. So many choices in life. Do I get a credit card? Do I not get a credit card? Do I pay this bill or do I go here? Do I give or do I not give? Do I do this or do I do that? Decisions, decisions, decisions are made every day, 102 or three decisions per day. And you're beginning to experience life. Listen, you no longer technically live with mom. You're 18 now. You technically feel like you don't have to listen anymore. You got a car now. You got a job now. You don't have a curfew anymore. And you're saved now, so they're not really tripping about you being out late at night. So life is like living at Applebee's, and life is like going in the car and getting her washed. Yeah, your room's not clean, but your car's washed. Right? I'm just talking about rooms being clean because young adults' rooms are messy. Too busy to clean it, amen? And you begin 
to experience life. Because now you can make your own choice and your own decisions. So then when you get leaders in your life, they try to tell you how to live your life. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I moved out of my mama's house for this reason. I couldn't wait till I got to 18 before she started telling me how to live my life. But there's choices. And in ministry, God begins to use you. God takes a step further in our lives and begins to deal with the things that are not so obvious. And that's when our salvation begins to get even more real. Listen, there are things in our lives that are not so obvious. Listen, the obvious is that you have a problem with drinking because when you breathe on me, I almost passed out. I almost got pulled over for drunken driving. It's obvious when you get mad and you're in the flesh and you're in the parking lot and then you cuss at somebody by accident. It's, oh my God, I don't know where that came from. Yes, you do. It's obvious when you're struggling with guys and girls because the only one that you hang around with is with all the guys or with all the girls. You say, oh, because I grew up with bro- all brothers. No, it's not. There's things that are obvious in your life. But when we get to use you in ministry and we begin to start to deal with your life, there's things that appear that are not so obvious. As you're in ministry and you didn't, you didn't show up on time, they tell you something and you roll your eyes. When it's time to give and you, you fill out the envelope, but you don't really fill it out. You just drop it in there like you gave something, but it was blank. You act like you're writing something. You probably put like, you know, SpongeBob, 10 seashells, and then you throw it inside there. <laughs> like if you gave, but you didn't really give. There's things that are not obvious in your life. And that's why the second thing you remember is that, God, you're shaping me. Listen, God has to shape you and I. And Jeremiah 18.4 says this, But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it in another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. There are areas that, that God is or should be shaping in our lives. When you begin to serve God, and when you begin to really get saved, and you really have plugged into what it is that God wants you to do, he has to begin to shape areas of your life. If he's not shaping areas of your life, there's something wrong. There's something wrong if God's not dealing with your life. If you're not mad at least once a week at somebody, something's wrong. I'm mad at somebody because you just rebuked me for something I didn't do. You rebuked me for something I did do. You rebuked me for something I should have done. I got rebuked. I got dealt with. Whatever maybe I'm mad because I know, you know, this didn't come through or that didn't come through because God is shaping us. God is dealing with us. Some people, I'm going to say this. So one day, I'm at the pulpit, right? We're, we're, I forgot where we're at. We're in church. And I asked this particular gang girl, I said, does anyone ever deal with you? I asked her, you know, she goes, yeah, but no, but I need them too. I said, but to answer that, that truthfully impressed me. Because it wasn't that she didn't want to be dealt with, it's just that she needed to be dealt with. To know you need to be dealt with is different than thinking that you don't need to be. Because God needs to deal with you and I. There are things in our lives that God needs to change, but no one sees them. And Joshua 1a says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we're going to park here for a minute. We're going to post up right here. Listen, we need this generation to allow God and the leaders that God has placed in your life to begin to shape you and prepare you. Listen, some people say, oh, only God can judge me. My God, how silly is that? God, listen, God puts people in your life to deal with us. 
God puts leaders in our life. God allows situations to take place to deal with our life. Listen, trials are not there for no reason. They're there to teach us something, to show us something about where we're at. See, a fight, when you're in a fight and you get beat up, I know none of you have been beat up before, but when you get beat up, most fighters watch what? They watch the tape to see what does they need to work on? What needs to change? Listen, there's things in our lives that we need to change. When we go through trials, when we go through battles, those things show us what we're weak at when we begin to fail. Even when you don't fail, even when you make it, but when you make it, you're crawling making it. But as you begin to change and God begins to develop you, you're no longer crawling, you're running. You're running and you're learning how to serve God and you're learning how not to fall for the same easy temptations all the time. But see, let's just say you don't struggle that much with temptations, you know, the, the obvious ones. But there's a thing that we need to have as a generation and their values. Listen, when your values are unclear, there's a confusion when our values are in conflict. It is because we haven't clarified what's important and what's not. What are your values? Do you have a clarity on what you value and the principles in your life? Do you say, listen, see, a value in your life is something that there is absolutely no way that anyone could argue with you any different than it's okay. Listen, I, I, don't, I, I have a value. I don't believe that a man and a woman of the opposite sex that are not married should be alone. You will never catch me in a car with a woman by myself. Why do I believe that? Because it's a value. You know, and now you say, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good, bro. I'm a grown man. Grown men have grown men lust problems. Right? You don't know what she's about or what he's about, where they come from, exactly what they've been through. So I say, why take a chance? Why gamble with your salvation? Why gamble with the call of God? So that's a value in my life. And there's a lot of values in our lives. But what is your value? Do you have a clear understanding of what you value, what's important and what's not? Because listen, every time you make a decision, you're filtering that decision through your values. Subconsciously or unsubconsciously, you are taking that decision and you're filtering it through the values that you have in your life. Whether you will do that or not. That's how you'll determine the decision that you make. It will give you the success, the growth, and the development that you have in your life. If your values are wrong, you will eventually crash and burn. Young adults, see, they want to change it up a lot of times. And people do too. They think, well, I want to do it different. Well, work for him doesn't have to work for me. Just because you didn't do this and you didn't do that, I could do it different. But that's not true. The devil uses the same tactics he's been using since the beginning. And God has been using the same word of God from the beginning to allow us to guard our lives. So you're not going to do any different than anybody else. The only thing you'll do if you do it different is crash and burn. Because listen, we have to have values in our life. We have to guard our call of God in our life. If we do not, we will miss what God has for us. What is important in your life? What's important? I'll argue with anybody about anything concerning the call. It doesn't matter what they say. They can try to convince me that worldly music is okay. You can convince me that it's all right as long as you can handle yourself. You can't convince me no different. Because it's a value. It's my personal life. 
We have to be careful with our personal life. He's shaping us. He's molding our life. He's trying to do something in our life. There are three areas in, in this walk with God that we have to allow God to shape. And number one, it's our spiritual life. We have to value our spiritual life. Listen, too many people think that they can serve God, that they can go to work, that they can have their family, that they can be a leader, that they can do a ministry and not have a spiritual life. It is impossible to serve God at full capacity and not have a spiritual life. How is it that we're going to resist temptation if we're not seeking the Lord? How is it that we're going to know what the enemy's trying to do in our life if we're not reading the, God, the word of God and don't know what he's trying to come with, at us with? How can we do certain things if we don't have a spiritual life, if we don't have a relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ? How is it possible? But a lot of people, want, they want to be busybodies. They want to roam around the church. They want to do this. They want to do that. And try to be busy doing ministry. Yes, you look great. You're ushering at one moment, and then you are. You're catching people the next moment, and then you are in a parking lot trying to disciple somebody the next moment, and afterwards you're at Applebee's on the table testifying, but then when you get home, you're like Dora the Explorer on the Internet, searching all kinds of websites. But yet, if you got home, if you would have had a spiritual life, you would have known that you had a victory, that the enemy was going to be waiting for you, that you would get into prayer and see God, that he would cover you and shut your laptop off. But no, there's no spiritual life. How can we receive rebukes? How will you and I be open to change? How will you and I be willing to give and sacrifice that we don't have a relationship with the Lord? Listen, you know, I, I don't believe in this whole thing where, like, in, in a marriage there's rules, right? Well, in, my, in our marriage, I'm not allowed to do this or allowed to do that, right? I don't believe that. I believe in a marriage you do certain things because you love that person. You don't talk to females on the phone because you love that person. You don't stay late at night, out at night and not call her and tell her where you're at because you love that person. Not because you're whooped and, oh, your woman got you in check. You got to check in. Homie, if you don't check in every once in a while, you will be a lonely man. You will be a lonely man. Guaranteed. And then you'll be calling her, hoping that she'll check back in with you when she checked out of your house. But you do those things because you love her. You do those things because you want to be with her. You do those things because you want to change. Listen, when I first got married, you would never catch me wearing shorts. Never catch me wearing short socks. Never catch me doing a lot of things. I got married, my girl got me quick. She went to the mall, bought me shorts, short socks. I came to church, my pastor was clowning me. Oh my God, you never wear shorts. You get married, bro, in one week, she transformed you. Happy wife, happy life. Amen? Right? Now, she had to convince me to wear sandals with no socks. Amen? She hates it. See, I'll be walking on the beach with those Jordan sandals on. I had black socks on. That's how I keep my feet soft, girl. I'm on a trip. Just kidding. But we change, amen? We change. It's because that relationship that we have with the Lord that keeps us on the potter's wheel that allows him to shape us into what he seems best for our life. Another one is on our personal life. This is where we struggle. I don't care how old you are or how old we're going to be. Listen, we need to allow God to deal with the inner man if we, and if we need to allow God to deal with the inner man because this is where a lot of people want to quit. 
as God begins to deal with the inner man, our spiritual man, the things that are in our life, we want to quit. We want to pull back. I know too many people that want to do ministry, but they don't do ministry the way they can because they pull back because there's things that they got to change in their life. They don't want to stop listening to certain things. They don't want to stop doing something. So they pull back and do just enough not to have to become a leader, not to, not to do enough, not to be held accountable to do ministry. Listen, we're going to need to get our values and our convictions from. Listen, where do you get your values and convictions from? Who is imparting in your life? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it Snapchat? I mean, do you, I mean, do you follow all these different people that you get all your source of values from? From TV, from the internet, from, from reality stars. Oh my God, reality stars. Do not get your advice from them. They're all, they're, just to be a reality star takes bonkers to do that. But yet, where do you determine to get your values from? Because where you get your values from will determine the quality of those values. Listen, I follow men of God that have been serving God a long time. In your car, what do you have on your playlist? I got messages from Pastor Sonny. You put some Saul, Pastor Saul on there, some strange fire. He'll deal with conviction. You'll get saved in your car every single time you listen to that song. It's a Pastor Ed in there. I got Pastor, Pastor Steve in there. I got all the classics in my thing, collecting them, collecting them, collecting them. Why? Because I want my values to come from the old, from the outer. If they did it, they changed the world. If they changed the world, living their life, they would, then why would I not want that? But yet, young adults want to do that peer-to-peer counseling. You want to go to your friends and get your counseling from them. Why would you trust your spiritual life? Why would you trust your life with the guy that's down the street on A Street chasing a Pokemon instead of being here in prayer? He's out there zapping Pokemon Go, and yet you want to ask him for counseling about your life. My God. She's over here trying to target the Lord, trying to tap and zap him with the Holy Spirit, but yet he's chasing a Pikachu. I don't know if that's what you call it, Pikachu, whatever. <laughs> Listen, we need to get the source of our values from the right people. Listen, when you develop values and convictions in your personal life, you are guarding the call of God upon your life. Listen, we don't tell you things like don't be with the opposite sex by yourself. We don't tell you certain things not to do because I want to be a part of your awkward party when you're sitting there just, hey, how was your evening? Saw you on Instagram. Like that snap. I'm over here like third party, awkward. My God, let this party in. No, we don't tell you stuff like that because we don't want to be a part of your, we want to hold you back because we want to regulate your life. I got my own stuff to regulate. I got my own things in my life to deal with than your awkward moment of meeting. You know why we tell you those things? So you can guard yourself. So you can protect yourself. So that you'll know what it is that God has your life. That's why we tell you. That's why God allows leaders in your life. So they can show you in your personal life what we need to deal with. But we don't want to hear that. Because we're not ready to change. But we have to be. Listen. We're chosen by God. We're children of God. With a purpose. Some people want to give up the call of God for a hickey. Listen, you know what a hickey is? It's like a fire, it's like you're a fire hydrant. And who marks your territory on a fire hydrant? That's what a hickey is. We'll throw a call of God away for a hickey so that the devil can call you his fire hydrant. But you should be telling those dogs to get back on the porch because you're busy getting a hold of God, trying to fulfill the purpose of God in your life, trying to live with conviction, trying to live right. And those dogs can stay on the porch. Because we need to be 
value that call of God. We need to be strong in what God has for our life. We need a people today more than ever before that have a conviction, that have a personal life that lives for God. But are you willing to allow God and your leaders to shape you? Are we? Another area is in our church life. It says, I beseech you, brothers, you know that the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Acacia, that they, have, they, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Listen, you and I cannot wait for them to tell us that you're ready to go before we start doing ministry. The challenge was sometimes with people and young adults is sometimes they want to fellowship more than they want to do discipleship. That's the bottom line. Young adults are in a corner oh, laughing and all on their phone. Ha ha, snap, snap. Ha ha, Instagram. Ha ha, Facebook. Not really as much, but ha 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 ha. Fellowship. But there's young people that need to be discipled in the gang. There's newcomers that need to be discipled as they come into the church. There's people, that ministry that needs to be done. The gang needs young adults within the gang ministry in order to mentor those young people. So that when they get to the age of 18, they become the next leaders, that they're already ready to go, that they're on fire for God, that those, those people, they need kids. Our, listen, our kids need you in the ministry. Listen, it's cool when you have a teacher that's older, but when you have a young adult teacher, and they're cool because they bring pizza and Sour Patch Kids, and they play games, and they, they have a way of illustrating the Word of God differently, amen? They love it. My kids love our teachers. They have this, all these teachers have this one teacher named Juanito. He's a young adult, and he's straight from prison. I don't know, San Quentin, Folsom, whatever, tattoos all over his head. He's a straight gang member, prisoner. And he's like, oh, man, I'm going to go buy me some Heelys, you know? Like, <laughs> From the pen to Healy's, amen? That's what God can do. But our children need young men and women that are going to impart the word of God to them. We need greeters. We need ushers. We need people on the worship team. We need a young adult and a people that will say, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to change my personal life so I can fulfill the call upon my life. Listen, we need people that are involved in the ministry, a part of the church life. When you're involved in a church life, it helps develop your personal life, your spiritual life. It gives you and gets you ready to live a called life. When you're involved, listen, it deals with your personal life because there's things you like to change in order to be in ministry. It deals with, it deals with your spiritual life because you got to pray to lead God's people. you got to pray in order to give the godly counsel. you got to pray so that you don't get weary and you don't get burned out. But it prepares you to live a life that is called. Listen, I remember we were getting ready for this presentation. And those of you that know me or don't, but I'm pretty crazy when it comes to these presentations. I'm a perfectionist. So I get all like into this stuff, you know? And I, I'm like a slave driver. No, no, that's not it. No, no. I'm like over here orchestrating. I know, and I can't even play a piano. I can't even, I don't know nothing about music. I can't even sing. But I know what sounds right. And so we're doing this song called I'll Go for, gang, for World Conference. And I have Momo, I have Christina, I have Natalia, I have all these different people. And we're getting ready for this new gang convention, and we're getting ready to do another presentation. I was looking at this video. God started to minister to me. Lightweight, almost broken. Because when I saw this day on the stage, I saw Momo. And he says, uh, how does it go? It goes, um, same, how does it go? Oh, Get me out of here. I'll go anywhere, I don't even care. We're gonna take the world 
My heart is for the loss, and I'm down for this cause. My bags are packed away. This is not goodbye, but I can't stay. Ain't that powerful? And he can't stay. And I love Momo. He's been with me. We've been working together for a long time. But you see that, that, that verse? And he's going. Got married. And she's better than him. No, just kidding. And look at her. She came to Stockton. And I'm, I'm so glad she did. Thank you guys. Sacrificing. She came to Stockton. She helped us. She's on that stage. And look at She's going. This young girl, age of 14, Natalia, she started with us. And there she is. She's going to the UT. She went to the UTC. And wherever God has for her to go next. Mike, my crazy drummer. My God, Mike used to give me a headache when he played the drums at church. I had to talk to him. I had to counsel him real quick, not knowing nothing about music. All I know is when I went to church, I got a headache. And when church was over, my headache was gone. But I knew how to utilize that headache. Talked to him. He got better. He was on those drums with those blue sticks lighting up. And he was going, he's going, he's going. And he went to Ireland. Now he's over there in Huntington Beach. And wherever else God's going to send that. I don't know if you'll ever come home. But God was ready to use these young men and women. And ministry because there they are. Listen, like I said earlier, I'm going to read this one to you one more time because I don't know if you caught it the first time I said it. It said this. It says, when you live your life like you're preparing to go and you do a work, whether you stay or go, you'll build wherever you're at. All these people I just mentioned and more were in their churches building something. Whether one day they knew they were going to go or not, but when you're involved in your church and you're ushering and you're greeting and you're doing ministry and you're faithful and you're building and you're building, you say, listen, pastor, I'm just an arrow and your quiver and whenever you're ready to send me. But until then, I'm going to build you arrows. I'm going to go and build a ministry. I'm going to have you build quivers. And I'm going to do these different things so that one day when you're ready to send me, I'm ready to go. But you can't wait till then. You got to start doing it now. When you prepare your life, when you prepare your life to go, which is the next point, says, says, God, you can send me. Listen, send me is not only just literal, but it's a mentality. It's literal. Yes, send me, I'll go. But it's also a mentality. When you have a mentality, say, listen, I'm ready to go whenever. I'm willing to go. Whether I stay or I go, it don't matter. If they call me, listen, I don't know if they plan to go right away. I don't know what the idea was, but I know that they were doing great there. But one phone call changes your life. But they were ready. So many will have to be ready when you're there building your worship team, when you're there building your gang ministry, when you're there evangelizing, doing rallies. I don't care if you're by yourself or not. You're testifying. You're preaching. You're telling people about Jesus. You're passing out flyers. You're running a rehab. You're there sacrificing, believing, discipling, building. Guess what? When the call comes and they're looking for someone, your pastor can say, you know what? I got someone for you. Got someone for you. But you have to have this mentality. You have to have a send me mentality. You're young. You ain't old. You ain't 37 with 37 kids. Or you ain't 45 with 25 kids. You're not at that place. You're 22, 23. You're 30. You're 35. Your life is still ahead of you. You have a lot to do. You have a lot that you can accomplish. But we're afraid. Why? So I want to travel. What do you want to travel the world on a yacht? 
Think you're going to be in a, in a video, traveling, sitting on a lounge chair? What better way to travel the world than going through inner cities left and right across the world, traveling, doing a work for God? But when God works in your personal life, and when you're there involved in your church, you'll develop a mentality that says, Lord, whether I stay or go, you can send me.